We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could give this feeling. I wish I could give this feeling. All right, all right, what up? Welcome to the corner. We are coming at you from Insert Coins Bar and Arcade in downtown Vegas. You can hear the video games in the background. We are ready playing games, chilling up in here. Get ready for an hour of wrestling, boxing, and MMA talk. I'm Kel Dansby. And I'm Andreas Hill. And today we are talking about Amir Khan versus Chris Algieri. Looking like Starsky and Hutch in their their (laughs) promo. Uh, We have WWE Payback, NXT TakeOver, and we're previewing the Elimination Chamber coming up this weekend. But first, we have to talk about UFC 187. We're Woo. both in the building. Woo. The main card, dope. Like, one of the best in years. Undercard, nah. Yeah, yeah I was in the back. I wasn't yeah. But first of all, Kale was right. I got to give you props. You picked Cormier to beat Rumble. None of us did. We thought, and, and I mean, shit. When Rumble hit Cormier with that, that one piece right off the rip and Cormier was fell on his face, I thought it was over. I and thought I was, it was done. Another one, under one minute chaos. I was like, oh, damn. They're going to let me hear it on a podcast. <laughs> but it's nice to hear that I'm right. I might loop that, Joy. We just got to just have a constant loop. That's going to be my ringtone next week when we come to the podcast. Because it's so fucking rare. That, nah, so you that get shit, to be right for once. Yo, I'm, I'm right a lot. You're just realizing it right now. No, that's not true. The people tell you. All our followers, all our listeners, they tell you, like, yo, Kel is right. No, he they speaks don't. the truth. That's some delusion. Nah, that's I what they say. I need to screen grab those. Like, Twitter, when they delete the tweets, them they catch us deleting the tweets, son. Nah, they're in there. They're in there somewhere. You know, they they just didn't tag you. They tag me. They're like, yo, Kel, you right. <laughs> Don't listen, Andres. He's just hating. See, so look, man. I gotta ask you because, like I said, we were both there. We'll talk about the press conference and the nuttiness behind that in a minute. But do you consider Daniel Cormier the real light heavyweight champion of the world? He is, yo. I mean, 
he has the belt. He beat the number one contender. He beat someone I thought could beat John Jones. Mm-hmm. And to me, John Jones lost the belt. It's, it's not his fault. It doesn't matter how it comes about. It doesn't matter how the belt changes hands. John Jones relinquished the belt. He got beat. To me, John Jones got beat. He beat himself, and the cocaine beat him. Dang. So he is no longer undefeated. He lost to the coke. He was in love with the cocoa more than the belt. He had to let go of that. Ouch. And then now DC took advantage of the opportunity, and he is the champion. Now when John Jones comes back, he's going to have to be the challenger, and he's going to have to earn his spot. He's going to have to earn his belt back. I agree, man. I agree. I, you know, everybody's like, well, you know, DC didn't beat John Jones, but it's like, you know, like DC says, John Jones, I'm coming for you, boy. Like, he, he's ready. Like, DC, I'm, I'm glad he's got the title. I'm happy for him. It was genuine. I was genuinely thrilled to see that he won that title. Even though I didn't pick him, I like DC a lot. He's 36 years old. He finally got his hands. He finally reached the pinnacle after failing at the Olympics, failing against John Jones. He did well in Strike Force, but now he's the champ, man. Give, gotta give the kid his props. Yeah, yo, and I, I picked him for the reason of Kane being healthy. Right. It is weird, but I picked him off the strength of another person. Mm-hmm. When he can train with Kane for a full camp and he can get his cardio right, and he's in there against what I would consider the best heavy fighter in the UFC, if not the best fighter in the entire UFC, because Kane beats John Jones, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So he can go against that guy every day. The John Jones fight would have been completely different because he mm-hmm. sees Kane every day. He sees the champion at a higher division every single day. So that's why I thought Rumble in the long run had nothing for him because DC had been facing someone so much better than Rumble on a daily basis. So if John Jones come back and Cain Velasquez is healthy and he's the champion and they can train together again, I'm going to pick DC again. Well, he's gonna be in a, he's, he'll be in a different mind state too. You know what I'm saying? It's not going to be the Cormier that was out there emotionally invested and drained by the time he got in the cage because he wanted to kill John Jones so bad. So, yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree with you again. I think yeah, yo, a, I'm on a roll. Yo, take it while you can. Um, but you know what I thought was interesting before we go into the rest of this card is, you know, like Cormier is a real dude. Like you mess with Daniel Cormier and you if you mess with the bull, you're going to get the horns. And your boy Ryan Bader went out there and tried to, to shoot his shot trying to, and, and Cormier sunned him at the press conference. Yo, quick. This is my press conference. I was like, damn. Like, Fuck out of here. <laughs> Yo, it's so crazy because he's like chubby and jolly. And he's like always smiling. He'd be like, oh, DC. And then he just turns real quick and flips. Yo, and he'll wild out on you. For people who don't know what happened, I guess apparently um, our guest later today, D1, was sitting next to Ryan Bader. Bader's tweeting Cormier before the fight, his fight with Rumble Johnson, talking about you got out of your fight and you next and da da da. Now, we all know Rumble, I mean, Bader don't deserve a title shot, but it got under Cormier's skin. So at the press conference, Cormier's sitting there, you know, enjoying his title shot. And he's like, you know what? Somebody's being real disrespectful right now. And he's like, tweet me in the middle of the fight, Ryan Bader. And you heard Bader. I'm going to whoop your ass. Yeah, see, yeah, Bader is in the back. He didn't care. I'm going to whoop your ass. He went up there. He tried yeah. to whoop his ass. Like, I, I felt bad. I thought Schaller was about to get the business hey, again. Dave, Shout out, yeah. my boy, Dave Schaller. I, I thought he was going to have to try to break it up again. I was hoping he was in the gym this time and he was ready. Man, yeah, because Charlotte got it bad with John Jones corner. I know, I know his life flashed right before his eyes. We saw Bader rolling up. He was about to make a business decision. He, he looked True. over. He was like, what other fighter is here that can step in because I ain't doing it? ain't going to be me. But, yo, when Cormier was just like, it's my press conference. He's like, you are easy money. Ooh. The fuck out of here. He said, I told the UFC to give me the easiest fighter in the division. I want Ryan Bader. He said, Son. I just want to check. Son. 
Bader don't want to. He don't want nothing. Nah, nah. Bader got nothing for him. But you know what? Bader's going to get a payday, and he can talk, and he'll sell the fight, and he's going to buy John Jones some time. And it's nice to see DC, you know, come out, defend the title once, build it up, look right. like the real champ. And then, John, you want some? Come get some. It's like the Cena challenge. You want some? Come get some. And DC's going to hold up the belt. I could dig it. Then, so then we had Chris Weidman and Vitor Belfort, which kind of went it, like the way we all thought. Hold on. Before that, I got to tell you about the, the chick whispering sweet nothings oh, in yeah, my ear. I was sitting next to you. Yo, so where the fight wraps up, DC wins. I'm happy. I'm writing my article. I'm chilling. This 50, 55-year-old lady walks by. She's about 5'4", leans over my back, and she's just like, all your dreams are going to come true. Like right in my ear, like real close, like sweet nothings in my ear. I look around like, yo, what's going on here? And then she like gives me like the smile and the wink. I think the 50-year-old cougar tried to shoot her shot. Yeah, she tried to shoot her shot. I, I think I think she was going for she it. She saw that young me, Kelsey. She was like, yo. She was on it. She might have had a few up in the stands, got that liquid courage. Yeah. Yo, she she tried. And then she a dude tried like to borrow my computer. Yeah, that yo, was that let dude. Me send it. He walked up. He was like, yo, let me send an email from your computer to my computer. And he's a completely normal guy. He's a little faded. I'm like, yo, what what are you emailing? At 11 o'clock at night after a UFC event. Like, he was on deadline. Yeah, like, well, he, he I, I don't understand. Work. Yeah, he, he was, was putting work. Because he had to do his work. Yo, he said, let me send an email. I just looked at it. I couldn't even have words. I was just like. But then he responded, though. He said, if I had a dozen fucks and I took away 12, so how many fucks would I give? None. <laughs> what the fuck? Yo, he answered his own <laughs> riddle. Like, Yo. it was the craziest shit ever. This is what happens after UFC fights. This is stuff you guys don't get to see. When we're sitting there, hanging out, all this weird shit is what's happening. And I can't imagine what's going to happen after Conor and Aldo and the Brazilians are going to be drunk and the Irish are going to be drunk and we're going to be down there having to see them all file out. Let's go off script real quick because we we got a lot of stuff to talk about. But the difference between MMA fans and boxing fans are like day and night. And the difference between the women that go to MMA fights and the women that go to, like, everything is so different. Bless their hearts. Both of them. Yeah. Bless, bless their hearts. Thoughts whether, on both sides. Yeah, whether, whether it's the thought-tastic audience of boxing or it's the amazing Brazilian women who show up to USC. You were taking pictures. I saw you. Yo, you saw the video on the Snapchat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, And Jesus. they was going to the weigh-in. They were yeah, going to the fight. weigh-in, and she was overdressed, in my opinion. Yo, it was, it was nice in there. And it was for Vitor Belfort. Imagine Jose Aldo. Imagine the hatred for Connor. Imagine the Brazilians that come out. Loving the crew. That's oh. what they're going to be doing. Loving, Loving the crew. Loving the crew. Yeah, it's, it's I, crazy. I gotta, yeah, I'm staying away from all that, though. It's, it's a lot of, um, like I always say, like MMA chicks are like fake boobs and like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like old women with plastic surgery, but they get their surgery done right and, you know. They box- got that nice burnt orange tan. Yeah, like, like very Jersey Shore, like. <laughs> Yo, it's so different than the dudes. I'm sorry, but the dudes they could be at MMA fights. It's like yo, like suntan lotion. Yeah, yeah, like mad suntan lotion. Affliction still going strong in the MMA community. Yo. Like fifty six year old dudes just ripped. Like yeah. they're on that that old school Belfort. Like they're on that TRT just jacked, chilling. Yeah, I, don't, I don't even understand. It's like you ain't fighting, but you bigger than half the people in the cage. Yo, I saw this guy. He was like sixty, red hat. He had a red snapback on, a button up, old older white gentleman. <laughs> His girlfriend had to be 22, tiniest of dresses. If it went down to the middle of her thigh, I'll be surpri- 
just completely surprised. He was getting it. She walked over, he grabbed her all up, put the hand around the waist, looked around. I was like, yo, you, sir, are the American dream. The American he had it. And that's, that's UFC. That's UFC in a nutshell. That's UFC. For those of you who have never been to a UFC fight, please go to one. You need to experience 189. This. If you haven't been to a fight, come to 189. Yeah. I mean, this is the one to be at. McGregor and Aldo, we'll talk about that promo in a minute. All right, so let's get back to the main card and the next title shot between Chris Ryman and Vitor Belfort. And Wyman destroyed your boy. Yo, wait. Oh, hold on, hold on. Belfort for a second. For a hot second. For a hot second looked like he was about to do something. I tweeted out the picture. He looked like Russell Simmons with no shirt on. He was Uncle Russ for a second. He like deflated. Yo, deflated and flabby. And I was like, ah, this ain't going to be good. But he came out. He was throwing the bombs. He hit Chris. He rocked him for a second. Yeah, for a hot second. For a hot second. I, I think everyone rocks Chris, but I guess to him it's just whatever. He got the iron chin. He yeah. don't care. I thought Machida rocked him too. I guess I was wrong there too. So Vitor thought he rocked him. Chris didn't go down. Chris got the takedown. It was over, man. It was ugly. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like you're fighting your little brother and your little brother run up there and smack you one good time. You're like, bitch, and then you like throw him on the ground. Just and like He just rained down like 40 consecutive blows and – just beat the shit out of poor Vitor. Uh, if anybody rooted for Vitor, I'm sorry, because that was a massacre. Like, oh, that shit yeah. was bad. Oh, the Brazilian fans left just angry. Oh, yeah, they were sick. They were Ooh. booing. They were like, we'll be back when Connor fight. I mean, when Connor loses. Like, cause we, they, they they're about like to catch shit. two L's in two months and be they might. upset. They might be. Upset. Ugh. Oh, oh, poor ugly. Vitor, though. Vitor, he looked old, yo. Like, re- one foot from the retirement home old. Like, he's going to be... Teaching jujitsu in the favelas in a second, like he's <laughs> he's a rap. Like you can't put that man in a cage. Who's he gonna fight in the octagon? Well, he fights him if he fights in Brazil. The juice is loose. The gamma rays are in, and we get the incredible Vitor Belfort. When he fights in the states, he's nothing but like David, like Bruce Banner. Like he's he looked old. I'm looking at his body, and like for for anybody in this camp to ever say that that dude's not been on something, like we know he got popping steroids before, but recently you could tell. Like the body type is crazy. But yeah. like yes, he did look like Russell Simmons doing yoga on the beaches of like San Francisco or some shit like that. <laughs> I don't know what what Vitor's body was all about, but when he came in, I was like, oh, this boy about to get his ass beat. Oh, you looked at him like, yo, this ain't leaving the first round. Nah, it's a rap. Rap city. Uh, another joint that barely got out of the first, a little bit into the second. Cowboy. Yo, hey, Cowboy McDessie. Like I said, come on, Cowboy going to Cowboy. What did cowboy he do? Cowboy going Cowboy, and I swear he landed the kick. Medesi called timeout, and Cowboy already had a Budweiser in his hand. Yo, he, he, yo, he hit him with the Jordan shrug. He was yeah. like, eh. The brilliance of Cowboy Cerrone. Like, again, for those of you who watch MMA, you already appreciate Cowboy Cerrone. For those people listening to this podcast, like, man, get to the wrestling or get to the boxing, listen, go watch a Donald Cowboy Cerrone fight and tell me you don't appreciate that shit. This dude goes balls to the wall every fight. Broke Medesi's jaw with a, a kick to the face, and Medesi was like, fuck it, call timeout. Yo, he, he Chris Webber that shit. He had no timeout. He, timeout. Referee's like, you ain't got none. It's over. Like, it's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs> who does this? Who called timeout in the middle of that natural reflex? Like, yo, hold on. Timeout, timeout. Nah. Yo, that's some shit you do when you're, like, 12 years old and you, like, wrestling in the park. You get poked and you're like, yo, yo, chill, timeout. And somebody respects it. Ain't nobody respect that shit in man. You kick somebody in the face, you call timeout. And he joined, and like you said, he joined. So Cowboy's like, ah, right, whatever. 
And no sooner than that, he's at the press conference with a cowboy hat and a Budweiser. That's it. Several Budweiser. Yeah, a couple. He was trying to hand them out. Nobody was taking them. Nah, Wyman was like, I don't drink, yo. Yo, you can't can't leave open liquor just on the table. Yo. Some, somebody got to drink it. And Cowboy was more than willing. A man's man. That dude, is a he'll ride a bull and fight you the same fucking night. Let's talk about the possible fight at night. Arlovsky versus Brown. Woo! Nobody saw this coming. Not at all. Before, yo, okay. Tell tell the people how the fight went real quick, and then I'll tell the little side story attached to the fight. Well, I mean, first and foremost, we got two roommates fighting. When I interviewed them the day of media day, I kept asking them, like, how you going to get yourself up to have a fight, you know, with your roommate, somebody who's a roommate. And Arlovsky, you're, you know, you're older, and Brown's like the kid coming up. It's like, how is this fight going to go? And it was like, oh, we just going to do it. And I didn't believe him. I thought it was going to be a hug fest or somebody's just going to be caught slipping and go to sleep. Nah, these dudes just came out and started swinging. Arlowski caught Brown right off the rip. Had him stumbling over the ring like a drunk person on, on Memorial Day. And then, bang, bang, these dudes are slugging it out. And what happens? Brown catches Arlowski and drops him. We all know Arlowski has like a little glass jaw. Yeah. Thought it was over. That was like, it. Shit. Yo, Good night. When we saw that, I was like, yo. If Arlovsky was Donald Duck, his beak would have spun backwards. <laughs> like, that's how crazy the punch was. Like, he took his whole hat off. Like, Yo, everything it, was crazy. And it was like Brown was like a drunk man swinging punches because, like, his feet clearly weren't there. Dude was stumbling all over the ring, and he just corked one on loose, and you saw Arlovsky on the ground. But what happens? Arlovsky gets up and shreds Brown and knocks him out. Gets the stoppage. Ugly. One of the best heavyweight title fights we've seen probably since – Check, uh, check Congo and Pat Berry because that shit was crazy. Yo, as soon as the stoppage happened and Brown was damn near out on his feet, they had to lean him against the stool. Yeah. This guy comes from like the 20th <laughs> row behind us, behind media row. He comes all the way down. He shakes the banister like the ultimate warrior. He's just like, ah, yeah. hopes out on it. Throws a chair. And you know you can't throw chairs. He's lucky this wasn't a uh, – uh, an episode of Boondocks, and, right? Yeah, an episode of Boondocks. See, look, this wasn't the Mayweather fight. Right. Everyone would have been brawling. Yep. Throws a chair, storms off. No security, no nothing. He don't even care. Nobody's talking to this man. You know he just lost like 30K. This Yo. is supposed to be easy money. I, I've never seen anything like that because he had, to, he had to take the time out to walk down from his seat, get down to the floor where the fights are happening. Right behind press row, and he just cut it loose. Yeah, little motherfucker, and just he lost his shit. Now we're all looking at him like, yo, like I thought he was mad at somebody that was near him. No, he's mad at what happened in the cage. Yo, he got it. He's he's mad at himself because he has to explain that to his wife. You know, his wife don't know he out here. He came. He he bet. Like, their children's tuition money. Yeah, he's like, back yo, too. yo, he's just like, yo, I'm going to flip this real quick. She never going to know. He thought he, he had dreams. I was just sitting in, in a nice convertible, hair in the wind, midlife right. crisis. Lost it all. Everything. And he was a rat. And he was mad. Poor Do you guy. think he stayed for the rest of the night? Nah, he ain't stayed for the rest of the night. He just left. He was out. Drowning in sorrow. Yo, he probably walked home. He ain't even go back to his hotel room. Damn. He just walked the strip. Like, it's over. Now, I felt I, I didn't feel bad for him. That shit was hilarious. I, I, there's nothing to feel bad about. Your dumbass bet, whatever you bet, and you get mad because something happens in the cage, and you just want to go hulk up and get mad at things. That's your fault. That's your fault, dude. Our guest is actually coming through here in a second. Before uh, they come and sit down, let's talk about the 189 promo oh. that debuted during 187. So I saw it first because, like I always do, I got my media pass on. I got my, my fight day credential, and I just wander around just right. to see where I can go before someone wisens up and stops me. So I walk inside the arena. No one's in there. They're still setting up the chairs, and they're running the promo 
on the Jumbotron on top of us. And I'm like, yo, I've never seen this. I was like, this is dope. I see the cuts, the transitions, the uh, the Jay-Z Kanye joint. I was like, oh, this is it. Come back, yo. You seen this? You seen No one saw it. And then we're in the arena whew, before the main event, and it drops. Crazy. Yo, the No, no Church, Church in the Wild. wild. Yo, look, look. We've seen like this has been great UFC promo. I think like um Johnny Hendricks, George St. Pierre had a great promo where they was like when Hendricks was hitting the bag and they walked past each other, I think it was or was that Diaz St. Pierre? I don't know. Somebody St. Pierre. But this on the strip shutting down the strip and the cameras, the cinematics, and the strip being shut down, and then the lyrics of No Church in the Dude. Yo, it's so fitting. So what's a king to a god? And then you go from McGregor to Aldo. And like, then what's a god to a non-believer? And you go back to Connor taking off the glasses? With the crazy stare? Oh. Yo, I, I I'm lo- hype right now. Yeah. Like, yeah, like that was like the fight of the night. <laughs> like that was performance. <laughs> like Dana White should have gave the production team a bonus for putting that shit together. Yo, when Connor walked in to 187. Not as pop of the night. Crazy. He's walking through the crowd. Everyone's booing. We're watching a fight in the octagon. Like, yo, this is good. It's good yeah, work right now. What are they booing? Spotlight on Connor. All the Brazilian fans go nuts. They start to chant. Connor's playing it up. That kid's a star. He's yeah, he's a star. Like being at the gym where we were both at the gym with him this week, and just everybody following him around. And he's just like, you look at this guy, and he's just got it. If he wins the title, like yo, it's over. I'm sorry. Bumping mad hip hop. Yeah, yo, <laughs> well, listen, Connor McGregor's an Irishman, and he was playing like Juicy J. Two chains. I'm like, yo, this shit is so ratchet. And he's just like training in his like underwear. Like, he ain't give a fuck. And I'm yo, like, he played the Wale joint. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I was like, okay. Yo. Got some con- Cuddy in there. He got a nice playlist. I'm telling you. Like, Conor McGregor would be able to DJ our party. Yeah. Con- Conor McGregor's the type of guy like the hip hop community needs to gravitate towards and have him like, remember like when Cannabis did second round knockout and had Mike Tyson like cutting the promo at the beginning. Somebody need to call Conor McGregor right now and get him to do an intro on your album. ASAP. That dude can cut a promo. Album, mixtape, something. We, now, need get, we need to get this going. Now we just need him to win. Like if he doesn't beat Aldo, then he's Chael Sonnen. Yeah, but we'll, we'll get to that then, right? Because yeah, yeah. our guest is here. We need to let him sit down. Hey, yo, what's up? Danny D1 Davis Jr., rapper slash rapper, live out of Las Vegas, Nevada. WSOF, welterweight. Fight coming up soon. Fight coming up soon. Yes, sir. August 1st. August 1st. Uh, WSOF 22 here in Vegas. Going to be at the Planet Hollywood Casino again. Everyone, make sure you come out. Come out. You were at 187. I was. What do you think about the card? Like, in your opinion, top to bottom? Because you got the eye. You've been in there. You fought top to bottom. How was it to you? You know, it was a pretty good card. One of the better cards in a, in a, in a while. You know, it had its highlights. You know, it also had some lackluster moments. You know, some fights that, in my opinion and perspective, didn't live up to the hype, you know. But overall, as a fan of the sport, I was happy with it, you know. Do you watch fights, like, from a different perspective that now that you've been fighting in it versus when you was just watching and not training before? Yeah, you know, I, I like to see what's going on a little bit more you know, intricate details and where the average fan is like, oh, he punched him in the face or he got kicked in the arm, you know. Uh, I'm looking at, you know, what's, what, what setup's going on with the combination. Are they shooting takedowns, takedown defense? I'm looking at it all, you know, the whole general MMA perspective. And, you know, I favor f- different fighters, you know, obviously my teammates and uh, everyone over at Extreme Couture MMA. But, uh, and, you know, a few other fighters as well. <laughs> 
Cash used to scout you as like he's a great Muay Thai fighter. And it's like, all right, we're just gonna take you to the ground. Exactly. So you had to fix that fix that hole in your game up real quick, and it's, we see how it worked out. Oh yeah, yeah. I was you know I was just going down and uh, being a little lost, and you know getting choked out a little more than I needed to be. <laughs> right, right. So I took a lot of time, went back to the gym, and really focused on it. And uh, like I said, falls well Drizo, I really helped my grappling game out. You know, training with him himself. Mm -hmm. You know, a couple times a week, man. He, and he shows no mercy. You don't care <laughs> if he got you by 20, 30 pounds. He's, he's going for the kill regardless. But, you know, it made me a stronger grappler. And, uh, like I said, Falls helped me bring my game together and mixing everything up, my, my, my striking with my feints, with my takedowns, with my defense, with my cage work, you know, and, um, and getting my mind right. You know, that I had to really believe in myself on another level, you know what I'm saying, right. and, and did some, some mind stuff, you know what I mean, like and, and got my mind right and then, Man, it's been lovely since then. How'd you get into the sport? Because, you know, it's something really where you walk around, you walk around the hip-hop community, black community, anything like that, and it's not something that seems like a, a logical career path. Like, you don't right. see too many people before you doing it, so you really just got to have that mindset like, yo, I'm going to be the first and I'm going to show other people. How'd you start? Well, you know, as Andreas knows, I was pretty, I'm pretty heavily involved in the music in the hip-hop scene here in Vegas. You know, yep. I was definitely way more involved 10 years ago. You know, uh, I helped run one of the biggest studios in the city for, at that time. I was an independent artist, dropped various albums, done more than 100 live shows, opened up for national acts, you know. So uh, that was actually my first passion, like kind of mm -hmm. like a first child, you know. And um, But I, I always loved to stay in shape you know when I was young I, I used to see the movie The Karate Kid <laughs> and I wanted to do karate beat up my little brother and sister <laughs> but uh, my parents were working in the casino you know and they ain't making much so they, they couldn't afford me to put to put me in anything like that and you know I was I was interning and started working at the studio and I would go to a gold's gym and work out you know what I mean and then they actually had like a little boxing kickboxing gym within that gold's gym mm. so like I started boxing a few months then got into the kicks the trainer was like uh hey man try the kicks try the kicks like yeah yeah, yeah let me try it's kind of like kind of like karate but it was muay thai you know right. and it, it was a paul sebastian you know he runs the fossey fossey sports gyms out here in vegas but um so i tried the muay thai you know i started training muay thai and it was like i said i was doing the studio by the day you know what i'm saying going to the studio you know doing all the business there Headed, headed to the gym to get a little workout in, training, and then going back to the lab to maybe get in the studio, you know what I'm saying, do some music, and then call it a rap. And I did that for years, you know what I'm saying? And uh, I'm, I'm someone who needs a challenge. So as I'm, I'm doing music and as I'm, you know, on the scene, um, I'm asking in the gym, well, what's next, Apollo? What's this? What's, and then we start sparring. Then we start doing smokers, Muay Thai smokers. Went to Thailand, did some training out there, came back, won four amateur titles as a, as a Muay Thai fighter, you know what I'm saying? And... Uh, like, well, what's next, you know? And uh, this was around 2008, you know, music started taking a slump, the, the recession and all that. Right. I saw my studio business start dropping. You know, I don't want to work no corporate job, you know what I'm saying? And I was like, man, how else can I make some money? And then boom, the light bulb went off, fighting, you, you know? And uh, I asked Apollo, man, what's up? Can you give me a fight? And, but first I took some time. I looked, I saw Muay Thai fights. You really couldn't make a living. Right. And yeah. UFC was blowing up. So, uh, man, I just started learning some grappling. Took a few months, did some grappling, did a few amateur MMA fights. Um, I had, like, 18 amateur Muay Thai fights already, so I had a lot of ring experience. And then, uh, 
you know, did, did a few of the local Tough Enoughs here in town, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, shout out. We just had Tough Enough, like, <laughs> come yeah, through the podcast. Yeah. What's up, Jeff? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, and then uh, Apollo was good friends with Greg Jackson. I went there. I lived at the gym for about a month and came back, made my pro debut in MMA for King of the Cage and won, like, 26 seconds. You know what I'm saying? Damn. And then just kept going and just, you know, and fell in love with the sport, you know what I'm saying? As, as First as a fan and – Looking for a different way to, to live my life. And, man, it's, it's brought so much to my life now. Uh, I love it, you know? Do you know what's funny is, like, like like we said, I've known you for years. Like, when you I know, was – Like, for the people that are listening to the show and are just getting to know me or have heard about Danny fighting and me doing, like, boxing and MMA, we were both heavily in this hip-hop shit. Yeah. You know, I was it's at hip-hop site. site. D would come by, drop CDs off. It's like, oh, four, right? I had no idea this dude like like MMA. I loved MMA, but it was just something that hip hop cats really talked about. It was just like you know you do your music. So like to come back when I worked at BET and I came back and I'm looking and I see I'm like is that D1 whooping ass? Like what <laughs> what kind of shit is this? Like why not know this? Because there's so it's so and this wouldn't lead me in my next question because it's so much segregation where it's like hip-hop cats just don't really get down with MMA. So when you see one, it's like, oh, shit, throw the black fist. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's one of my brothers out there doing especially from Vegas. From Vegas, where the hip-hop scene here is like, I won't say terrible, but it's pretty fucking bad, and it's very yeah, small. Definitely. You know what I'm saying? So, like, to see you, it's like, it's like man, I got to give you your props, man. I'm like, I'm happy because I, like, I feel like you're my brother or something. When you out there front, I'm like, I know that cat. Like, for real, for real, I know that cat. <laughs> yeah, yo, like it, it's crazy to see you know someone go through that transition and bridge the gap really between hip hop and MMA. And before the show started, we were talking. You still do music, right? I do. You know, what I'm saying I'm still in the studio. I'm recording new material all the time. I'm listening, listening to what's going on there. I'm just a little bit, a little more selective of what I do. You know, like like I said, I've done all the local spots in town. You know, and back to the cooler days, to this wow. and that. You know, like. The little wow. clubs, 702, and all that stuff. You I mean I'm, I've done all that, so I'm a little more selective with the shows that I take, you know. And uh, timing, you know, also timing. Uh, I'm getting a lot more exposure with MMA, so you know. And maybe, who knows? I could be getting a title shot pretty soon. I'm three zero for World Series, you know. So, uh, you know, when time is right and I get some get some more eyes on me I, and some more ears to listen, I drop some some new music for him, you know. You walk out to your own shit? <laughs> I have before. Yeah. I have definitely have walked out to my own music. Um, recently, I haven't been the last few fights. But, uh, yeah, you know, I always kind of go with what I'm feeling in the moment. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? What was the last joint you walked out to? Uh, 50 Cent G'd up. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just takes me back to a spot in my life when, you know, like, you know, I was living that street life. You feel me? I was really about it. And, you know, and I let that go. And I became a nice, you know, gentleman you know what i mean i became a man you know what i'm saying and i had to let some of that go but when i step into that gauge i need to bring some of that mm -hmm. back from within me you know what i'm saying i need that in the cage and that that's one song i used to listen to when i was young and uh, it just takes me back to some some memories and it's a trigger for me you feel me so that's uh i've been using that like the last five songs dude five so fights. yo you got to keep that going by the way <laughs> so you're undefeated with that you got to yeah. keep that going. yeah you can't let it go you can't come out to some you can't be like manny pacquiao coming out to roar and shit yeah. you know what i'm saying like no katie perry but the question i was going to have was like in your thoughts, like, how do we bring more eyeballs from the hip-hop community to the sport? We kind of talked about before we even started the show, because it's yeah. like boxing is such a spectacle where you see, like, Jay-Z and you see 2 Chains and you see, like, 50 Cent involved. But it's like 
MMA, even though we got John Jones, well, we had John Jones, um, Demetrius Johnson, you always have Rashad Evans, Rampage, we could run down the names, but the hip-hop community just hasn't grabbed on the MMA like that yet. So where do you think the disconnect is? Yeah, man. Um, I mean, first off, obviously, boxing has been around for hundreds of years, so True. it's just more widely known. It's more of a popular sport where MMA is still growing. You know, it's, it's, it's a young sport. But, um, you know, boxing gets more exposure, and, you know, the, the – the, the culture sees Floyd Mayweather on TV making hundreds of millions right. of dollars and, you know, one of the highest paid athletes in the world. And, you know, the values of hip hop kind of align with, you know, w like guys like Floyd Mayweather, you know what I'm saying? And he's running boxing. So obviously he's going to attract more attention and, and keep eyes uh, in the game of boxing, you know. And, you know, boxing's a beautiful sport. You know, I don't knock boxing. I, I love boxing. I came up watching, you know, Mike Tyson and, and whatnot. But, um, and secondly, I think the lack of understanding and education of MMA to the hip-hop culture. You know, they don't understand what's going on. They see two guys grappling on the ground. They don't understand the details, the, the, the techniques that are happening in the moment. They just see two guys wrestling, you know, and they don't they, – they might call it gay. They might call it whatever they call it. You know what I'm saying? They just don't – even boring, you know, they sign, even regular, you know, all co cultures who don't understand the sport, not just hip-hop, but, you know, sometimes you meet fans, they don't understand what's going on, they're clueless, you know, so it's harder for them to connect with the sport. You know, you know? let's keep it real, like, in Vegas, like, Vegas UFC fans are, like, the most uneducated and dumbest fans on the planet, because they boo everything. Right. <laughs> it's yeah, like, no I mean. action for, like, two minutes, they're booing. You know what I'm saying? Like, when, they, when it's grappling across the cave, when, when, you know, you're trying to get cage control, they're booing. And it's like, so I, I know it runs wide like that. Like, the uneducation is a, is a factor. But it just feels like there's no, like, I know, like, Floyd Mayweather value, has, like, a lot of hip-hop values. But so does Rashad Evans. True. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so does Rampage. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know what we got to do to, like, get some of these kids. Like, how many kids have come up to you since you started fighting and want to get down with MMA because of you? Man, quite a lot, you know. I, I uh, have had a lot of kids come up to me you know i've even taught here locally at extreme tour at dry jiu-jitsu some of the ufc gyms in the past and uh you know the younger generation it's almost like a norm to them you know they mm -hmm. here especially here in vegas but uh and it's it's all ethnicities all cultures you know um they they just see it as a universal truth of fighting you know right, they just yeah. see they, they they start to understand it more and you got these kids starting at six years old hitting a heavy bag and hitting pads and grappling and wearing a gi so i think for the younger gener generation it's actually um a norm and it's exciting to them you know there's mm -hmm. more i guess for them more realistic in a sense, you know, being like whatever, a ninja or whatever they might think is, is cool, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. Wait, so I want to go back a little bit, D, because, you know, you're like, you came up in Vegas, and I don't think a lot of people, like, I was talking to Combat Jack, and he was like, what's it like growing up in Vegas? What was it like for you growing up in Vegas? I know you've had some tough times, and people really don't know. Like, there are some mean-ass streets in Vegas. Like, people have no idea. They think you Zach and Cody. They think you live in a hotel, and, like, you get room <laughs> service every day. Yeah, they do. Um... Yeah, like, I remember being younger talking to someone from, like, back Mississippi or what whatnot over the phone. Um, and they're like, you live in Vegas? You stay in a casino? Like, all day. Man. <laughs> no, there's, there's really neighborhoods behind behind the lights, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, I mean, for me, man, I don't know. I don't know. It's all I knew, you know what I'm saying? So right. I don't know what was different. But um, for me, like, growing up, you know, you, you I guess one thing 
is you can see you get to see both extremes you know vegas isn't the biggest of the cities right. so i've seen you know the poorest of the poor the most poverty ridden spots and um and i've seen some of the elite you know what i'm saying I, i've been blessed enough to kind of you know work my way up and and see like the the best suites in the casinos or the biggest houses out on the Anthem or whatever the case may be. Um, so I think one thing being in Vegas is you get exposed to it all. So I think you get a little de desensitized to what the rest of the world may, you know, it may be a big trigger for them. You know, right. all these what they call temptations and, and uh, you know, alcohol and sex and nice cars and this and big homes and, and hoods, you know what I'm saying, and gang violence and music and, you know, for me it's all a norm, you know what I'm saying, mm -hmm. like I'm, I understand it um, and I understand there's goods and bads, pros and cons to both, right. but uh yeah, man, you just you you start you learn quicker what to avoid and you know which way to direct your life. You know, talking about living in Vegas and all that stuff, it gives you, like you said, a grand perspective on everything. You know, your outlook on stuff is different. Being involved in hip hop hip hop culture then, and still in it now, what are your thoughts on the hip hop culture? Like, what do you think of oh, sure. yo hip hop is dead or yo these young kids are bringing it back? What do you think about that aspect of hip hop? Yeah, you're an OG in Vegas now, yeah, bro. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm yo, <laughs> oh man, you know, I I seen it come full circle. You know, I, I feel that whatever you're looking for is there. You know, and what makes money makes money. You know what I'm saying? Just, you know, obviously, you know, everyone's gonna have the music that they favor. You know, and growing up and maturing, um, I really understand that some of the, the mainstream stuff promotes, you know. Dumbness, you know, dumbness to our, our people, you know what I'm saying? And, 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 and kids now understanding how people learn, how people are influenced, and the power of that, the power of the music. Um, I do feel like not all music that's out there on the charts right now is uh, for the benefit of mankind, you know? Let's just, <laughs> let's just keep really it like that. All right, so now that that's out of the way, Kendrick versus Drake, it's two different aspects of the hip-hop culture like we were just talking yeah. about. So... In your opinion, pound for pound, like they're in the ring, like they're coming out, coming out of the corner. Who do you got, Kendrick or Drake? I mean, if they fight, man, I got Kendrick. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like he's a little more street to me, and he's from the hood, obviously. You know what I'm saying, you know, from Cali and whatnot. So I'm going with Kendrick. Go with Kendrick. I told you, I go with Kendrick too. I I I trust Kendrick. If I'm in the streets and something go down. I don't trust Drake. <laughs> oh, no no love for the yeah. light-skinned dude. It's because he was on Degrassi, right? And he was in a wheelchair. Yeah, you can't even picture it. You know what I mean? Like, no, no, <laughs> no disrespect to Canadians, but they just on some different stuff, you know? No GSP love in here. Like, they're from Canada. Nah. From the, I mean, let's keep it I real. respect, but. Yeah. And even on the musical side of things, as much as I enjoy Drake's music, Kendrick has a certain realness to it that I can always subscribe to. You know what I'm saying? With Drake. Like I said, I love him, and you put him up against anybody else, I'd probably say Drake. But he was born, not necessarily born with a silver spoon in his mouth, but he had advantages that somebody like Kendrick clearly didn't have. Right. And it reflects in the music. So, like, when you listen to, to Pimp a Butterfly and you listen to Good Kid, Mad City, there's a certain grittiness that I think a lot of kids can relate to that have been through those things or have seen those things or have known somebody that goes through those things. Drake is very emotional, and there's nothing wrong with that. We all get our girlfriends. We get all mushy right. and cupcakey and shit. And Drake, you know. He kind of pimps the scene a little bit too. He kind of, he like I've always said, he kind of shapes and molds himself to what he's around at the time. 
I feel like Kendrick just does what he does, and that gives him the edge. Wouldn't you be considered team light skin? Are you turning on your brethren? What does that mean? I'm just saying, it looks like you ride through the six with your woes. <laughs> nah, man. I don't have no woes like Whoa. that. I'm uh, a grown-ass man. Bro. Listen, right. I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm just I'm just, trying to pick your brain. I thought you'd turn on Team Lightskin. Nah, man. Nah, nah. So we got Kendrick. Kend- you know, I'll, I'll give it to Drake. He got the length. Yo, it, when you oh, fight, shit. you got you Here need the go. reach advantage. Here you go. He got, the, he got the reach. Kendrick. Kendrick is soft-spoken. I mean, unless he's like a little Mike Tyson. You know, I, I like Drake. Drake, is, Drake might come out and be like Conor McGregor. He just come out, talk mad, mad trash. And win. Yeah, that's it. You might back it up. Drake, Drake got it. Off of the length aspect, don't sleep, don't sleep, don't, know, don't sleep don't on that. He's a silent assassin. If we're talking music, like I said, I gotta go with Kendrick on that edge too. I just think Kendrick said, I think Drake is a great artist in terms of he knows what to make, how to make hits. But again, like when it comes to raw rhyming and like telling them stories, like bringing you back to the, the early NWA days and stuff like that, that's that's, that's Kendrick all day. Yeah, yeah, being an MC, you know, I think that's what hip hop was birthed off of. You know, yep. being an MC, like you said, uh, and I, I agree that uh, Drake he makes great songs. You know, he got some catchy hooks and whatnot. Like, you know, and even his lyrics, some of his lyrics are 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 pretty tight for that. You know, those topics. You know, but as a real MC, I think. Kendrick holds a little more weight, you know. He's he's heavyweight, where uh, Drake might be down there with the lightweights. <laughs> so they in two different divisions. Yeah, see, Kill, I don't think you really like with your heart going with Drake on. Nah, that. I mean, I can't, I can't go with Drake on that. Like lyrically, just Kendrick has him leaps and bounds. Kendrick's one of the most talented lyricists, just naturally talented, uh, of the past decade, if not further. Like you just give him a mic and the stuff that he can do, just off the top of the dome and just spit is incredible. Right. He just, to me, doesn't make songs as good as, you know, as Drake does. I mean, he doesn't make the best songs in his camp, let alone Drake. Schoolboy Q is a better song maker than Kendrick. But Kendrick is naturally talented. And that's okay. Some people, you know, sell the fight. Some people are Adrian Broner or Conor McGregor. Some people are Jose Aldo. When you just come in, you the champ, you handle your biz, but you ain't selling the fight. And that's what I feel about Kendrick. You know, you know uh, I call Drake assimilation. <laughs> like Drake is assimilation. He appeals to the masses, and he makes it a point to appeal to the masses. Right. Kendrick is black power. Kendrick comes in, he'll rub everybody the wrong way and not give a shit, and then he'll make you come to him. Taylor Swift came to him. It's not like Kendrick was like, "Yo, Taylor, can we do a song together?" Taylor Swift was rhyming backseat freestyle. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've always liked artists that are like that. They, they always give the edge. Like I said, no disrespect to Drake. But I think, like, if it's 1960 civil rights movement, I'm riding with Kendrick. If it's 2015 and we rolling with my woes, I'm still riding with Kendrick. That's, that's just is what it is. <laughs> all right, all right. So we'll wrap up P for P off of that. D1, drop everything else again. Let the people know when you're fighting, when everything's coming up. And you don't have an opponent yet still, right? Oh, man. Uh, or you can't announce it yet. There, let's just say, is, is not signed yet. No, nothing's official. I don't like to say anything's official. The contracts are signed. Tell but, stop running. But Buy the contract. <laughs> you know, no, I mean, I just got word myself about it. Actually, today, you know what I'm saying, from matchmaker uh, Michelle Lee. But, you know, I hear there's a, a, a Russian looking to make his debut in the welterweight division, a Russian that has a, a brother in the UFC doing pretty well that, you know, mm. uh, might have was supposed to fight this last card. But, uh <laughs> yeah, so, you know, if, if that's what it is going to be, I'm looking forward to that fight. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm on a good streak, and I'm ready to welcome them and show them how we get down. All right, yo, that's August 1st. WSOF 22, Planet Hollywood Casino and Access Theater, you know what I'm saying, here in Las Vegas, Nevada.
And, and then that if you get this victory, it's like, uh, you know, you probably fight or two away from a title shot, you think? Yeah, I well, hope so. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's, there's not that many guys in the division anymore. And uh, I don't think – I don't know if any of them got, you know, the same amount of uh, wins I got in a row or the streak even within WSOF. So – but, uh, yeah, man, I, I'm sure I'm, r I'm right there knocking on the door. You know what I'm saying? I, I wouldn't be surprised if this fight goes well. You, you might see me fighting for uh, Jake Shields or Rusmar Polares. And, you know, I've been watching both of those guys for a long time. They're on my radar. Stay I'm off already, the ground. You know, I'm already <laughs> – hey, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable now. You know what I'm saying? Like I say, I'm, I'm rolling with Robert Drysdale. You know, I've, I've sparred some of these guys already. And, uh, man, I've been working with the cream of the crop. Word, the last word. few years, and I'm ready for it all. Yeah, give give me your social media, dude. Give me give me all the Instagrams and all that shit. Man, Instagram, Twitter at D1LV, D-E-E, -E, the number one LV. You know what I'm saying? Same thing on Facebook.com, D1LV. Look me up, peoples. Yeah, Danny we're Davis gonna Jr. check out the music, checking out everything. Yes, Thanks sir. for coming through. Thanks for coming through. Everyone else, stay tuned. When we come back, we're talking wrestling next. Crazy wrestling this weekend. We have to catch up. We've missed like two weeks worth of it. So stay tuned. Peace. Yeah. Welcome back, everybody. We told you that we're talking pro wrestling, and here it is. We're going to let Andreas right now mark out over his boy, Yo, Samoa, Samoa Joe. Right. So, look, I've been waiting like a whole week to do this because last week we were talking about UFC 187. All I wanted to talk about was pro wrestling, even though I was at goddamn UFC 187. Yo, the NXT TakeOver, when Samoa Joe came out, I lost my shit. I could see you just 2 a.m. chilling in your crib. Yelling, Joe's gonna kill you. Dog, I lost all of my shit. Because I'm sitting there and I'm watching it because it's a great show. Um, we kind of touched on it a little bit last week. You know, this, the Sasha Banks match was great. Bay, um, what up? <laughs> the Eternal Bay. Um, have you seen her man, by the way? Sasha Banks' fiance? No, her like, ex-man? I, I know. I mean, Short-lived. Yo, everybody's sliding up in their DMs right now. What up, Sasha? Come on, the come on the podcast. Open invite to Sasha Banks. Everyone tweet her. Tweet her the link. At me in it. Tell her I'm looking for There's going to be a lot of selfishness going on because ain't nobody trying to give up the goods on Sasha Banks. What up, Sasha? Man, but anyway, the, it's great. We get to the Kevin Owens-Sammy Zayn fight, and Owens does what Owens does, and he, you know, he's getting rid of Zayn and putting him back on the shelf, which I hear Zayn's about to have surgery and about to be out for an extended period of time, which is why they played it out. So I'm wondering what the fuck is about to do. Because all I see is Owens crushing him again. We just saw this. Yep. And then we got that boom, boom, boom. Like, whatever that tribal shit was. And it I'm, was like a Godzilla joint, and then the tribal music hit. It was somewhat similar to this, what he came out to in TNA, but it had, like, this this little hip-hop angle edge to it, and the tribal drums, and then Joe comes out, and I got my laptop on my lap. Now, mind you, we already talked about me fucking up my laptop at the Mayweather-Pacquiao fight. I was like, oh, I almost dropped my shit again. And then I marked out, and then, like, y'all was like, oh, shit. And it's 2 in the morning. My wife's like, shut the fuck up. Like, I'm trying to sleep. <laughs> What's going on? Did somebody die? I'm like, no, Joe's going to kill you. And she's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and, but, yo, Samoa Joe has been, like, my favorite wrestler for years. And to see him finally, because he was loyal to a fault with TNA, to see him finally get to the, to the next level and the weird contract he has because he can still do ROH dates, apparently. Because he's doing one in Yeah, June, he's doing Best in the World. He's doing June weird. 19th. Yeah. Which I wish I could go to, but it's my wife's him birthday. Him and AJ Styles? As a tag team oh, against God. the addiction. Anyway, but this dude has finally broken to where he needs to be. And f him face-to-face -face with Steam was like, I went nuts. 
And it, like I didn't give it like all the other shit that happened with Steen and Cena and all the wild shit with New Day being great. It was all about Joe. The other day, someone actively like told me, brought to my attention. They're like, "Yo, Kevin Owens, aka my man Kevin Steen, aka the Chubby Wonder, <laughs> <laughs> aka slap your mama and take the title like that." He got like four active rivalries yeah. right now. Yes, got Zayn, uh, Finn. Samoa Joe and Cena at the same damn time, and he's carrying them all. Yeah, I mean, like, look, his body type may not look pro wrestler, same with Samoa Joe, but he's so believable. I've always knew the first time I watched Kevin Steen wrestling ROH, I was like, yo, he's, he's got it. No matter what, his, his body type actually helps him. Because you yeah. look at him, and you're like, he can't do shit. And you watch him do the cannonball, and you like, when he used to do the package pile drive and all that shit. But then when he cuts a promo, you're like, Yo, he means this. Whatever he's saying, he means. And when he cut the promo on Cena, I was like, damn. Because it was actually, if you YouTube, it's an old promo he did, like, way back in the day. So it was like remnants of that are in the promo. Like, yo, I've been a veteran, and I'm going to do it on my terms. Yo, that shit was so believable. And I hope <laughs> Cena doesn't beat Like, I hope it's like a DQ finish, because I hope Owens doesn't lose to Cena clean. That shit will piss me off. And I might just wreck shit in my house. But Owens is such a good heel. He's the best heel you got in the business right now. Easy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because he comes from such a different aspect. Like, he wants you to like him, kind of. He's like, yo, I'm doing this for my family and all this stuff. And you can just see it in his eyes. Like, yo, this guy just wants to wreak havoc. Like, yeah. you can't trust him. He's, like, slimy, kind of. It, it's it's such a great angle for a heel. And I'm glad that they're giving him a chance to go against a main roster guy like Cena and, and the legend coming in to really show what he got. And they haven't even shown his work in the ring yet. People are hype off of his mic skills. Wait until yeah. they see him go. I mean, that's the other thing about, you know, Kevin Owens, Kevin Steen, is that, like, just as believable as he is in the mic, his ring work is just the same. He's intense. And it's like, you look at this guy, and you're like, with this whole Cena thing, when he came out and Cena, I lost my shit. I was like, yo, actually, one of my boys fucked it up. Anthony Springer, I know you out there. You're my man. I didn't even tell you when you did it. You text me that picture of it, and I'm like, what is this? And I was like, I thought it was Photoshop. So in my head, I kept saying, this Photoshop. And then Owens came out, so I was able to lose my shit like it really happened, even though subconsciously I already knew it happened. But when I saw that, I was like, well, what are they doing? And then, you know, him against John Cena for the U.S. title, NXT versus U.S. title, is like, it's crazy because we talked about this before. Cena's on this crazy run giving these young dudes – or not young dudes, new dudes to the WWE, shine. And if he puts Owens over this weekend, like if Owens beats him to a pulp and leaves, getting DQ'd, I would, I would, again, I'd lose my shit. If he Sami Zayn's him, yeah. it'd be the most amazing shit ever. Yeah. If he, if he just And don't even care about the belt. Just nah. get DQ'd, powerbomb him 10 times, end the show. And walk. Oh. Go back to NXT and I'll be back when it's time. When you ready, I'll be back. Oh, that shit be lit. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, my goodness. How we just mark out mid-podcast? Yeah, that's like, what I'm saying. Like, yo, it's a good time to be a wrestling fan, man. Yo, it's amazing. Uh, the whole NXT TakeOver joint was dope. I mean, Balor's entrance. As usual. Oh, he and came Fuego. out with the spikes. Yeah. And then he took off the, the, the wings, and he got the fucking the eye on his back. Oh, the eye was crazy. Oh, God, like the eye of Sauron and shit. Like, yeah, it, oh, God. He's got it. I mean, from top to bottom, it was a good card once again. Uh, Enzo Amore, you know, and Big Cass. Hey, love to watch them. Love the great tag team. Uh, Bay held it down in her match. Yeah, yeah. Sasha Banks definitely held it down. And I mean, I, I just can't wait to see where everything goes. The only thing I'm really concerned about right now 
is where Kevin Owens goes. You go to the main roster, you have this match. I know they're not really planning to keep him there, but when he finally does get to the main roster, he can't be toiling in the mid-card. No, I mean, he's established himself. He is a top-run heel. Like, he is that guy. And he is that guy for the sense that he can also be a tweener because I kind of respect the whole idea that, you know, I fight for my family, and I really don't care what you think. Like, I will beat you to a bloody pulp because this is for my son. Yo, speaking of that, did you see the, the Instagram picture of his son? Nah. So his son's – Kevin Owens' son is watching his dad on TV, and his son marks out. He's like, is that him and John Cena? Like, he's putting it together because his son's – you know, he, Kevin Owens – Kevin Steen's been on in the indies for so long. His son probably never believed, you know, him and John <laughs> Cena could get together in the ring. And his son's, like, losing his shit – Watching his dad on television. It's like the greatest moment ever. And it just makes you like Kevin Owens that much more. Dude, he's a guy. Yeah, he can't can't come up and just be a normal mid-card guy. But I don't think he will. We saw the beginning of that with him and Triple H and him getting this match. Right. When he was like, you know, the authority, you know, they're going to let me do whatever. He's their guy. Yep. So when Rollins does whatever Rollins does and they have to fade him out or whatever, they're building Owens the right way. And that's why if he dominates Cena and gets the DQ finish, then that's his trademark. I mean, he can come in and honestly go against the Lesnar. The, the stuff that Reigns couldn't do because he wasn't believable. Right. Owens has been wrecking people. Yeah. Let him pop up powerbomb fucking the beast. <laughs> what? Yeah. It, it's, it, everything Owens does is entirely believable. I don't know how – I really have no idea how they're going to handle this feud with Owens and Samoa Joe. Like, I have no clue. Not a clue because – I mean, Finn gets the title shot first, right? So It feels like Finn's going to go he- heel. I have, this, I have this feeling that Finn, once a time he comes back, Finn's going to turn on. That's not bad. A lot of people don't – but, I mean, that's the problem. Is Therein lies the problem is that Finn is so over, that interest is so over – once he comes to the main roster, people are just going to lose their shit anyway. Yeah. It's not going to work. That shit's going to look so great on the main roster. It's going to be insane Oh, what yeah, they yeah. do with that shit. Like, it, it's oh, going to be good. I, it, I can't even imagine that. So, um, I don't know if you saw the news. Uh, I think it was today or yesterday. Um, RIP TNA. Have you heard about yeah. this? Destination America is like kicked them to the curb. And yeah. then they went and turned around and picked up Ring of Honor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know how smart move. You know how disrespectful that is. I'm like, hey, saying. TNA, you're not doing it for us. We're gonna get this other indie promotion, and we're gonna put them on. Like TNA is cooked. Dixon Carter, you fucked up. That's it. I mean, they lost everyone though. They, and, and but they all are in ROH. If you look at like AJ Styles is in New Japan, and he does some part time ROH. So Samoa Joe, like you ruined all that talent you had in TNA, and you went to Destination America, thought you had something going, and it was like, nah, fuck y'all. We're gonna pick up the guys that you got rid of. Yo, tonight. Um, for you guys that don't know, we're recording on a Wednesday. Right. You know, behind the curtain news. Tonight is a huge wrestling night. I mean, we got NXT. We have uh, Lucha Underground, which I watch. I got to catch up. I'm behind. Oh, that shit's amazing. Um, And then we also have ROH now. Yep. So, I mean, it's a huge night for me. Wrestling. I go home. I I talk about wrestling on podcasts. I go home and watch wrestling all night. And it's crazy. The indies are amazing. And then, you know, I got to catch up on New Japan and all this stuff and it's just so much, and we see these great guys coming into the WWE, and, and finally the WWE isn't, oh, we're going with our talent, or we're right. pushing the guys that Vince likes, or this guy. Yo, whoever's the best is going to get the push. Triple H is a visionary. So, all right, let's let's talk Elimination Chamber. Right? We we all know Dean Ambrose isn't going to beat <laughs> Seth Rollins. Nah, nah, he's not. <laughs> but it's going to be fun, right? It's fun as shit. 
I mean, he's stealing cop cars and doing weird shit. Like, it's Dean Ambrose. He's so over, but he's not beating Seth Rollins. So I'm not even going to entertain that. It's going to be wildly fun, and it's going to be some screwy ending where Seth Rollins wins. Yeah, someone's going to screw, you yeah. know, Ambrose over, and Seth Rollins is going to hit a fucking pedigree, which in my heart of hearts bothers me. We'll, we'll talk we'll about talk that about a little that, later. I hate seeing him do the pedigree. Now, um, also we got the Intercontinental Chamber match. With a bunch of guys, somehow our truth is in this. Our truth is in everything. Yo, like he's, we got to get him on the podcast. He sucks his jobs into everything. Yo, I'm telling you, he might be like the brains behind the operation. Somehow he always finagles himself into these cards. I just heard Vince is really high on him. Maybe it's because he's a stereotype. <laughs> Maybe I don't know what it is, but he does whatever he does. It works for Vince, and he's like, hey, you want to get in the Intercontinental Title match, even though you haven't earned the shit. Nah, he's going to get hit, like, with one finisher two minutes in and never be seen from again for the rest of the match. That's our truths role. And, you know, the IC title match, I I think they're giving it to your boy. Ziggler? Ziggler. It's my man, but I don't think he's going to win it. I mean, it's the only title he can win, but I digress. Here we go. Disrespect. Um, The tag team title joint is more exciting to me than the IC title. Why? Because you have, finally, these tag teams that are figuring it out. I mean, you have New Day. Oh, that's yeah. New hey, listen, Day rocks. The best thing about <laughs> New Day, aside from the New Day rocks and the fact that they're trying to be so positive, it just doesn't work, is whenever they try to pick up Big E's ass. Like, whenever they try to hoist him up on the shoulders and you watch them struggle to lift that dude up, it is like the funniest shit ever because Big E's completely oblivious to how big he is. <laughs> and they're like picking this dude up and they're like, ah, you see Kofi in his weird chest, like stressing out. Yo, it's the best thing ever. New, they figured it out with New Day. I don't know what they're going to do. I hope they don't, like, make them full heel. I hope they keep this whole positive thing and just make them do dirty shit, like Xavier Woods coming in on some, like, stunt double shit. That's great. Yo, we got to talk about it. They win the titles because he comes in and takes Yo. the roll-up. Are you trying to say all black people look alike? I'm saying. Like, like, that's the first thing that went through my mind. So, Vince. Vince, you just saying all black people look hey, like like we, we just we just supposed to sit here and take this Vince? We know Vince is a closeted <laughs> racist in some ways. We like Vince, man. We love you to death, but we know you, man. We like we see you. Like you, you said, hey, you know he probably power walked in there and was like Triple H. I got this finish for you. Let the black guy come in for the other black guy, and then they pins him, and nobody knows what's happening. No I one know. knows the difference. Yeah. They all look alike. <laughs> yeah, funny. And he power walks out the room, and Triple H just got to give him that one. It's like, all right, cool. Like him and Steph is like, that's my dad. Like <laughs> that's how that shit wraps up. I don't know, man. But you got primetime players too, though. Those are my. Bo- I love primetime players. Like I think they're great. I've been cutting great promos. My only issue with this chamber match is why are the El Matadores in this shit? They're the only whack tag team in it, and it's only because the Usos are hurt. I mean, but you could have put uh, Harper Listen, and I, Rowan I, in this shit. I take it back. Harper and Rowan should be in it because they would have wrecked this shit. And the, uh, there's another whack tag team in it. Who? Which I can't stand. The Ascension. Oh, they're terrible. Oh, my God. Um, they are the worst. Let me, I'm going to drink to that. Yo, just Road Warrior and Hawk right now are just looking just blank-faced at home. Like, Yeah. Honestly. Hawk, Hawk is rolling around his grave. This I, is horrible. And they're like demolition, and they're like, and then they're terrible. They cut the worst promos ever. They were terrible in NXT. They suck, dude. I don't know why they keep bringing them back. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I can't. That's but, why I'm like, I'm down on the tag team match because there's a lot of people in this match. So it's gonna be like a clusterfuck of people just getting thrown around. And they should win though. I hope Neville wins the, the IC though. I, see, I do too. And, and I hope Barrett doesn't win that shit. King Barrett's like you know what dumb shit is this? the truth is for me I think Rusev should win it but it seems like there's this news that he's hurt and the whole Lana angle is kind of weird and shit but um 
Like, Rusev is, like, if he doesn't have a title and he doesn't have Lana, it feels like they're going to start pushing him down the roster, but he's too good of a heel. Like, watching him cut promos by himself is funny as shit. Yeah. Like, the way he just did Lana was like, yo, I tell everybody you were wrong. Like, all that, like, Dolph Lundgren, Rocky Four shit, I love it. I love that shit. Hey, he just, like, the promo he cut where it's, like, all Russian, and he's like, ah, get out. Yeah. And then he just, he's just Russian, Russian, Russian. Get out. That's I what, love that shit. You know, I crush you. Like, all that shit. <laughs> yo, it's so it's so nationalist, like, how we, how much we still hate Russia for, like, no real. Putin, we hate Putin. Like, dog, I hated Bush more than anybody. Like, George Bush <laughs> is the worst person in the world. But when it, when a foreigner comes along, they're, like, the worst. And if they're Russian, they're, like, double worse. I, I don't know, man. I hope Rusev isn't really injured, but, you know, we'll see. But, you know, where's your boy Roman Reigns at? He's yo, like, is Reigns getting buried, though? I, I mean, I I, it looks like Reigns corporate Kane. Is yeah. like the next thing, which is super trash. But they're just trying to develop him so he looks like super Reigns. Like yeah, when it's great. time for Lesnar to come back. Yeah, I'm that hoping he can Reigns turns s- heel. Side in there, but uh, I don't see it. Like I don't, I don't know what they do with him. It would have been great to give him the IC title. Tell you the truth, give him something. Right. Let him come through with a with a belt on his shoulder. Imagine Reigns in that IC title match. Who in there is like amazing to you? No one, right? right? Let him go in there and just wreck everyone in the chamber. Everyone. Like, he, he's built for the chamber match. Yo, and he just comes through R-Truth, Spear. Next guy, Superman Punch. Barrett, Spear. Ooh, just have him spear someone through the chamber and just wreck it and look super fucking human. Yeah. And then win the IC title and walk through the crowd and give him something to fight for. Shit, Cena's your other champion. You wanted Daniel Bryan to hold the IC belt. Then let Reigns hold it and let him have something substantial. Yeah. Build him into a champion. That they that missed make, the boat. That makes almost too much sense. So, yeah, so. They, they missed the boat. Before we, you know, kind of jump into our boxing segment and, you know, go that way. Yep. Pound for pound list like we do every week. This week, worst finishing move because I wanted to get this off of my chest. <laughs> There's no other reason than that. I was sitting there and I was looking. I was like, what do I want to say on the show today? I hate these damn finishing moves. So... Who are you picking? I have my top five. I go five to one, like always. Five, I have a tie because I reserve the right to always have ties. Don't five you. is the big show KO punch just because that shit is ugly. And for some reason, it knocks everybody out. I hate it. And I just might not like the big show anymore, but it is what it is. And then the Ascension's whack tag team finisher. That is a tie for number five. I don't even know what the Ascension is. It's like a rolling kick Yo, and something else. Have you watched ECW? I have watched ECW. Um, I still watch ECW. Like on, it was done in ECW years ago, and it destroyed people, and it looked great. And Perry Saturn was there. Oh, These I like guys Perry do Saturn. It and they just look like shit. Uh, and it looks like when they do it, it's like nobody believes it. It's like, oh, look at these. It's like a foot sweep. Oh, like a Mortal Kombat Street Fighter Two Ryu foot sweep <laughs> with a fake ass roundout kick. This they don't do shit well. I'm so I ahead. mean, they come in tied for fifth, fourth. Uh, King Barrett and the Bolt Hammer. That shit is stupid. You turn your elbow pad inside out and, <laughs> and automatically people, yeah, just get knocked out. Oh, it's red. So it's a bull, right? It's yeah. like, oh, yeah, great. I don't no. believe that shit. That's it's stupid. Uh, the Winds of Time is way better, by the way. It was. Uh, three, Rhino's Gore. Yes, WWE and NXT count for me. <laughs> no one believes that Gore shit no more. We see Roman Reigns. You, you want to see someone spear someone? I watch it every Monday. That Gore shit, he could barely run, first of all. He is as wide as he is tall, and he hits him with, like, 
a little bit of his forearm and a tiny bit of his shoulder, and I'm supposed to believe that. See, it was better was in ECW, but Goldberg's spear was, like, the best of them all. Oh, because he just pick you up off your feet and, like, fucking Well, yeah, drive. he, like, legit hurt people. Yeah, like, oh, like, Edge's spear was pretty fucking yeah. sick. But like, no, for Go- a small guy. Like, yeah, but Goldberg's spear was just like, hey, I'm going to kill you in your inside, so take that. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the gore is so whack right. right now. Two, Daniel Bryan's running knee. R.I.P. Daniel Bryan for all, for all purposes. I have a hard time uh, with that one. That is just horrible. Like, I don't like the, the little man finishers as is. And then you just give him a running knee. Like, I don't believe that shit. It's like, called the knee plus. Like a B plus player, the knee plus? Uh, it's not justifying it for me. It's not like the Bumbaye that F- Nakamura does in no, New Japan. No, it's a it's an F plus move. Like, get out of here, DB. I, I even don't mind Sami Zayn's. A uh, hell of a kick. A luva kick. Ah, well, you yeah, know, whatever. Yeah. Fuck it. I'll, I'll take that. And I'm not a huge fan of that. Sami Zayn has better moves. But I'll take that over this stupid running knee. And one, Seth Rollins and the pedigree. Get that <laughs> shit out of here. I'm All black. I've seen American History X. I'm giving you permission to use the curb stomp. I'm saying. I'm giving you permission. It's like giving the hood pass to your white friend. You have the permission, WWE, to use the curb stomp. Yeah, due to our truth every yeah, weekend. Take it back. Yeah. We're, we're taking it back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they said in Clerks 2, we're, we're taking it back. Bring the curb stomp back because everything else you're trying with, with Rollins is just ruining him. You know what? I'm not even going to run through a list. I'm just going to talk about a couple things that could have been on the list. And you're going to find this one funny. I hate the zigzag. I hate it. Oh, God, yes. I hate the zigzag. <laughs> I love Dolph Ziggler. I hate the zigzag. How did that not make my list? Because I just it, – it just works for Ziggler because he's a great seller, but he just kind of, like, jumps up, grabs your, your neck, and kind of pulls you down. It's not really painful. It just, Tim Balor does that shit every second move of his Yeah, fight. but, you know, it's like the switchblade. It looks better. Another move that I hate <laughs> is attitude adjustment. I hate it. It's a fireman's carry on my feet. <laughs> Like he, it's like, how am I supposed, like the F5 is brutal. And that's in the origins of the, of the attitude adjustments because it was called the FU. When Cena was beefing with uh, Brock Lesnar and Cena didn't have a finishing move. So he stole Brock Lesnar's and turned into the FU. But it never looked like it hurt. It's like you just flip me over and I landed on my back and that's it. That's, that's what we're doing here. And it's over. And he uses that shit and it finishes people. And it makes me sick. Well, actually, people now kick out of like 18 of them. But. Well, you should. I can <laughs> kick out of that shit. Like, if John Cena, like, I don't care how much you try to make it look like it hurts, you're just throwing somebody over. That springboard stunner would have been genius if they would have thought of that. Years if he ago. was better at doing it, he still looks stiff as a board when he does. It looks crazy awkward. Um, but yeah, that, um, there was another one, and I can't even think of it right now. Yo, there's some people where I don't even know what their finishers are. Like, what's our truth finisher? Oh, he has that, um,. That stupid, like, scissor kick spin thingy that he does. Oh, shoot. It looks like Booker T scissor kick. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nah. He, and it looks cool when he does it, but, you he know, never wins. he's our truth. Yeah. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? Never like, wins. At the end of the day, he's our truth. Um, now I can't really think of anything else. Right back shit is horrible. Yeah. It's only only impressive when he picks people up. Who are, like, 300 pounds. Yeah. That, like, that's he great does it to a little that. guy. It's like, whatever. Everything else is boo-boo. Like, there's Whatever. some whack shit out there. Kane's yeah. choke slam is becoming very whack. Well, yeah, the, there's Kane no is height old. to it. No, it's like I'm just gonna kind of like you just kick your feet up and throw you down. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like it just it doesn't have the same impact. I don't know. It's but I don't even have a list. It's just those are the things I had to point out. I hate the attitude adjustment. God, I hate the zigzag. I don't know how that didn't make my list. Yeah, Thank it's, you. It's a shitty. It's a shitty. It's, and that's my dude. Dolph fucking Ziggler, the man of 18 finishers, but can't get his own yeah, finisher. Like, right. His super kick is way better. Great, famouser. The famous dope. Is, I hate the famous. Sir. 
I mean, but he pulls it off nice. Yeah, he does. Like, he's a great seller. He makes average moves look yeah, great. Except for his own, which is shit. Yeah, that shit is a shitty move, and I, I'm never buying it. I'm like, and he, when he comes to doing the guy's closer ropes, he's like, look at him. He's going to hold on the ropes, and you're going to not make this shit work. Nah. Yeah, this shit's horrible. I'm glad I got that off my chest, and I'm glad that you agreed that hey, Dolph Ziggler is bad it's a at something. Rare, it's a rare show because I'm agreeing with Kel on a lot of shit. Because I'm right. This will never happen again. Thank you, people. When we come back, we're going to talk a quick second of boxing, bring in some more boxing guests, and wrap up the show. I know you guys have loved being with us, and we love talking to you, so stay tuned. Yep. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. So now we're talking a little bit of boxing. We're talking Amir Khan, Chris Ajiri. Oh, God, this is – I don't know how to feel about this fight. Like, ugh. Well, you know what? Before we get into it, it's very strange, first of all, because it feels like we've been talking about boxing so heavily on the podcast. This is the week where I'm like, I don't care. You know what I'm saying? Like, But to that, with that being said, the Amir Khan-Chris Algieri fight is very important. It just doesn't look like a great fight, but it dictates the future of boxing. Because if Amir Khan wins, he basically punches his ticket to the Mayweather fight. But we, it's Amir Khan we're talking about. This is the guy who always gets there and fucks up. Yep. And Algeria's not the guy to knock him out, but you never know. Like Khan, when he was rising, he got knocked out by Bradis Prescott. He got, he's got knocked out by Danny Garcia. Like, I mean, he can't even get dropped, though. At this point, for Khan to get the Mayweather fight, you can't even touch your knee to the ground against someone like Algeria. Or maybe you can. Maybe you should. Maybe Floyd looks at that and says, yo, I'm going to knock him out. Out. Uh, well, I think I think that's how Flo would love to end his career is breaking Amir Khan's glass jaw. However, Amir's looked very formidable at 147. He looks he looks a lot more comfortable at 147. This is an intriguing fight. It's not like a burn your house down fight. It's not anything like like dude. May we've had Canelo, we've had Triple G, and we had Mayweather Pacquiao, which even though it wasn't great in the ring, outside of the ring it was a zoo. This fight is just like yeah, and even like last weekend's. The Gale and Darrell fight was like, yeah, whatever. And then we're about to get our boy Sean Porter and uh, yeah, Adrian yeah, Broner. Yeah. And, and we got we're about to get Wilder coming up. Like, There's some good fights. And this one is just one of those things where it just doesn't look important, but it can have some heavy ramifications. Because here's the scenario. What if Amir Khan loses? Who does Floyd Mayweather fight next? He has to fight Cotto. Does Do they fight because Al Heyman manages Mayweather and Jay-Z is heading Miguel Cotto? Do they do business together? Oh, yeah, that's rough. I don't know. Jay better go where the money is. Did he I, I not mean, just Al see 50 Cent go bankrupt in the Al, boxing joint? Al might. Oh, yeah. 50 took an L. Yeah. R.I.P. Damn, 50. Like, you. Damn, man. Yo, yo rappers. In like, high school, you was the man, homie. Uh, damn, homie. I don't yo, know. <laughs> that, right? Like, that shit was everywhere. To quote his own words. Yeah, he killed that himself. hurts. Yeah. I mean, that's what you get when you get, like, James Kirkland and Yuriokas Gamboa and you watch them both looking at the lights. But. If if Khan loses, does Floyd say, you know what? Fuck it, I'm just going to fight Pacquiao again. But then, then he got to wait a year because you're not fighting him in September. I mean, who else do you fight in September if you're Floyd Mayweather? I don't know. You fight anybody in September. Call call up somebody. I mean, was what was his last? Guerrero a great fight? Nah, but at least Guerrero kind of earned it. I mean, you look at the welterweight division right now, and then you go, Keith Thurman ain't ready as no. far as like marketability. Adrian Broner's not going to fight him. They, they just won't fight, even though I love to see Floyd beat up his little brother. Um, and then it's like Danny Garcia is not going to move up to 147 and fight him. Danny Garcia could. 
he could. He, he would. He'll get killed, but he won't do it. Like but he's he very reluctant to, to, for whatever reason, he's reluctant to take a bait. Like every time I'm interviewing, you want to fight Floyd? Eh, I'll see how these things come. Shut the fuck up. Say you want the fight. Don't bitch out. He'll get the fight if he said he wanted that shit too. And then like Tim Bradley's fighting, you know, Jesse Vargas. What the fuck? But um, he like that fight ain't gonna happen. Like nobody carries marketing power except for Khan and Cotto and Pacquiao. And Triple G's just not getting that fight. Sorry, Triple G. Does he fight Canelo again for the major payday? No. I don't the first one did numbers. It did, but I don't think they want to put Canelo in there and ruin anything else with him. No, I don't, I don't, think, I don't think Canelo drops bigger, down. Yeah. yeah, he's bigger. So 154 it's like, is the, the bottom. So Canelo. so Floyd, he's he's watching, but he's not watching this fight. Like He's probably going to be watching the wait was it the playoffs. This, it ain't going to be no playoff games. Unless the Houston comes back into something crazy. Yeah, yeah. Nah, which, there's, no. There's no. After you guys listen to this podcast, I'm sure James Harden is going to be at home. He's gonna be, and little be the base guy is going to be yep. cooking it up. But Hey. <laughs> I, I'm sure Floyd's going to be watching but not watching this fight to see who he's probably going to fight next. And if Khan loses, he, I th- really think she says, you know what, fuck it, I'll just fight Pacquiao next year. Yeah, I, I don't know. Khan and Algeria look like Tubbs and Crockett today in their media <laughs> photos. Like, if you haven't seen this, you got to look it up. It's a yeah. hot-ass mess. And I don't know how he fights that. But, I mean, I guess you could sell Khan. You just take as much money as you can from the overseas demo yeah. and, and, and take the money grab and just be like, yo – Pacquiao, I'm ready. Like that—that's it. Be like, yo, I'm just gonna retire, but I'm ready. Next May, we'll open up the arena. Yada yada yada. We're good. Like like Khan's in kind of like this must-win situation where he's got—he can't afford to lose any time, any more times on the spotlight. So he's got to make shit happen. So uh, I, I think he wins the fight. And the funny thing is, is, is Mayweather opponents have this weird shit going on. Like with like Andre Berto was supposed to be the guy to fight Mayweather. He lost to Guerrero and he lost to Ortiz. Both of those guys got the fights. Chris Algieri's not getting the Mayweather fight if he wins. Nah. Because he lost to Pacquiao. Yeah. And Mayweather's not fighting any more Pacquiao's leftovers. So, yeah. And it's on TV. It's a Friday night fight. It's weird. It's on Spike. Yeah. I'm watching. I mean, I'm watching. I'm watching, but but yeah. Look, look. I'm not going to try to tell y'all that y'all have to watch this fight. (laughs) Not like I did about Triple G. Not like I did about Canelo Kirkland. Y'all don't have to watch this shit. Just yeah. just tune in next week, and we'll talk about it. <laughs> All right, but right now we're bringing in some guests, talking about big fights this summer. We're joined by a few members of Sean Porter's camp. Last week we had Sean on. Sean came through. He's about to fight Adrian Broner in a couple of weeks. Huge fight for the summer. So we had to bring people through from his camp to speak a little bit about that fight, speak a little bit about sparring, and their upcoming fights, yo. So we got some real talented fighters in here. Uh, go ahead, introduce yourself right down the line. Uh, you know, it's the boy Blue Chip Boxer, Ryan Martin, uh, coming in from uh, Cleveland, Ohio. You know, you got your boy, no other than Hammer and Hank Lundy, Burr Street Billy of Philadelphia. Philly, what up? <laughs> Shots to Philly. And you got Jorge King Diaz, straight from Jersey, 18-3. Um, thir- all right, all right, yo, we got a good mix of people in here. Look at that. We represented for everywhere right now. So you guys were in there with Sean, you know, sparring, helping him out for his upcoming fight. What do you see from him in the gym? And what do you see in terms of his preparation for this next fight that you guys really can learn from or or take away from for your own? Well, you know, first and foremost, you know, he surprised me, you know, with his movement, you know, hand speed. You know, and what 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 to be hit? You know, one the stationary target. You know, and I looked at that. I said, okay, he definitely been working and working on a lot of things. You know, was a surprise in my eyes. You know, yeah. But I can tell you this, man, he 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 ready for war. I'll tell you one thing. I noticed. Uh, I was surprised at his hand speed. Um, and his movement. Uh, it's it's uh he's very di- a diverse fighter. Like he he can do it all. Uh, 
Showtime Sean P. <laughs> um, this is King Diaz. Um, what can I say about Sean? Sean is the epitome of hard work. And when you collaborate that with talent, there's only one result, and that's success. And and I have I've been through many camps before, um, you know, pursuing this boxing dream, and I haven't seen nothing like the Porter Team Camp. Um, in all aspects of it, the training, the eating, the living, the the philosophies are just unparalleled. Uh, Hank, you've sparred with Brona before yeah. in the past. Yeah. So I don't know. So what is this? Are you coming in with the the jewels or? Are you just kind of just here working? Man, listen, man. Like I tell everybody, you know, somebody hit me up on Instagram about it. You know, I'm going to speak my mind, say what I got to say. And I had to check him. You know, like I told him, <laughs> first and foremost, I knew Sean since the amateurs, man. It was always love. Foot on the show that his dad, you know, threw, came down, you know, showed me love. They always been good with me. You know, Adrian, you know, I just met him in the pro game, you know. It, it ain't nothing. Like I told him, man, I'm here to help you out and help you win. You know, if they don't like it, what can they do to me? Nothing. Because so, <laughs> cats will come up and say, oh, you defecting. But I don't think a lot of kids understand when you sparring, you working, you helping somebody win. That's yeah. your goal. Exactly. And, you know, like I reached out, you know, and told him, you know, I would like to come in and help him. And then on the flip side of that, you know, um, I'm fighting Mauricio Herrera, you know, July the, um, 11th on Latino HBO. And, you know, it's a good fit. You know, Sean is much stronger than him, you know, and they kind of fight almost the same. You know, they come forward. Sean is a lot powerful than Mauricio Herrera. I could deal with that. You know, fight time come, it's gonna be it's gonna be easy work. You know. Let me ask you about this Herrera fight, man, because Herrera he's, <laughs> he's that he's that hard luck guy. Like he right. can never get a decision. Right. And, and you know he's coming in this fight with you. He feels like he got to get a win. Yeah. But you you come cut from the same cloth. You have had some tough decisions too. So right. For this fight, I mean, how much is on the line for both you and him? You think? Well, you know, it's it's definitely a lot on the line. You know. This fight is for the NABF title, a step closer to the world title, you know. And first and foremost, you know, is to get back on a winning column, you know. I just fought Denarme. I feel as though I won the fight, you know, but the knockdown separated, you know. But, you know, I started off a little bit late, but I feel as though 12 rounds, you know, it could have been, you know what I mean, I could have closed the show one more round. But, you know, that's all said and done with. You know, he didn't want to fight me again, so now it's time for Herrera. You know, they looking at the Denarme fight and think, that's the Hank Lundy going to get. One thing about me, man, listen, you can watch tape. You never you never know where Hank Lundy going to show up in that ring. So for the rest of you guys, do you guys have fights coming up that you can talk about? How busy uh, are you guys? Nah, I just fought on the undercard of that uh, James Kirk and Canelo yeah. fight. So uh, I'm uh, I'm in training camp right now, just waiting for the next date. How busy do you want to be? Because coming up because, <laughs> you know, when you when you're young in this game, you can fight eight nine times yeah, if you want yeah. to. But uh, what are, so how's it looking for you? Uh, it's looking real good. One of the best advice that I got from a from a, a fighter was um, you don't want to be in, in act. You always want to stay active as a fighter, no matter what. Because um, sitting on the couch ain't no fun. <laughs> so um, you know, fifteen don't keep me busy. So I mean, ain't much much I can complain about that. Um, this is Jorge Diaz. Um, about me, my 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 pictures uh is a bit more colorful than the most. Um, a lot of ups and downs. I was brought up more as uh, an opponent, I would say. And um, and I just recently got released, so I'm down here, reached out to Kenny, and to see what I got left in my tank. And 
And um, so, you know, we're going to look, you know, look, look, looking forward, try and move forward. And and I'm here, you know, whether I've been in in the ring or not, I've never been inactive. I always stayed in the gym, always stayed trying to excel in my craft and always trying, you know, keep chipping away. <laughs> Yo, you know, a lot of people, they hear the interviews from the boxers who are undefeated or got one loss or people at the top of the game. They don't really get to see what goes into the day-to-day of boxing, right, the, right. The, the grind, the journey to get there. Like you said, getting knocked down, getting back in, seeing what's in your tank. Explain that, like just stuff you guys have gone through and what still motivates you? What keeps you guys going in this game? All right, well, picture this. My first fight at Madison Square Garden, you know, I get a call. They ask me, you know, you're going to fight at Madison Square Garden right before Miguel Cotto. I was excited. I'm like, yeah, you know. I think they offered me like $2,000 or something like that. You know, I was like, all right, yeah, whatever. You know, just just being at the Garden, I mean, from where I was born, I'm already winning. You know I mean? I was born with nothing, so I'm already winning fighting at the Garden, you know. I just remember being in the corner, jumping up and down, exciting, and they're announcing the fight, their, you know, the fighters, and, and all I hear was the 2004 Olympic gold medalist. And I swear to God, I thought to myself, I said, hold up, I ain't never win no gold medal. <laughs> <laughs> I really thought that to myself, man. I just see it, and they say, yeah, Bart, telling me. And I was like, oh, they played me, you know what I mean? Like, they didn't even tell me this guy was a gold medalist. It was a close fight. I ended up knocking him out, and they did that to me a few more times. I fought like a 16-year-old Mexican guy who was signed to top rank. And um, same thing, you know what I mean? They told me he was like 10 and 0. 16 and 0 and 10 and 0 is a big difference. <laughs> and um, same thing, I ended up beating him, you know, it's just, I just, I, hey, all you can do is just keep going. I never really had no much guidance in my life, but all I did just keep walking. I just kept walking, just kept walking, just kept walking. And, um, and ultimately, I mean, I'm starting to see some light now. <laughs> what about you, Hank? And, and Ryan, we'll get to you because you haven't lost here. You haven't really dealt with adversity. But what about you, Hank? Because you've dealt with a little bit of adversity and you've, you've bounced back. Right. You know, my career, you know, I didn't have a big-time manager at first and I didn't have a big-time promoter. So, you know, with me, you know, it had a limited, you know, amateur career. You know, I only had 70 fights, but turned pro at, eight, I mean, um, at 23. I walked in the gym at the age of 18 turned down a football scholarship so my sister could go to school and I picked up boxing, you know. But otherwise than that, you know, the odds was always against me, you know, and I had to show them, you know, hard work and determination get you anywhere. You know, now I'm here, you know. I went from ESPN, Showtime, HBO. Hard work could be anything, you know, especially, you know, looking at my kids, you know. Father wasn't never there. By me putting out this hard work and dedication, I give them a better life, and, you know, that's what I want. You know, I don't care if I got to get in there with a broken jaw, fought with two of them, you know, and 10-round fights and won them, you know. So it's not about me. It's about my kids. You know, I get the glory, you know, by my little toys, but it's all about the family, you know. And I'm, I'm able to have that by me going out there, working hard, and then providing for my kids, you know. And, you know, in my career, nothing was given to me. I had to take everything I got, you know. Man, you kind of glossed over this, but I, I, I've heard the story. You passed up on a scholarship so your sister could go to school. Right, like right. You kind of went over it like it was nothing. Yo, that's a big deal. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, can you talk about that for a minute? Because most people wouldn't give up something, even for right. a family member. Right. But you, you gave up on something and gave it to your sister and found your own way. Right, yeah. You know what it was is um, my mom, she was in and out the hospital, um, schizophrenia. That's what she was diagnosed with. So she never was really there. So my aunt took custody of us. You know, it was four of us. 
And me and my little sister graduated around the same time. And, you know, I had a scholarship to Clickstown University. They said they gave me a, um, a partial. And they said, well, you do good. We give you a full ride. My aunt was like, you know, I can't afford for both of y'all to go to school. My last, my last, my senior year, I got into a fight before I went to the football field. And I actually knocked this guy out, called my uncle. He took me to the gym. Then after that, I started to like it. I told my, um, my aunt, listen, send her. I found another way. And, you know, the man upstairs opened up doors. And this is what happened. Here I am. Remember the dude who you knocked out? (laughs) (laughs) Because he he kind of paved the way for you to have a boxing career. Listen, I'm I'm, going to tell you, man, actually, you know, at that time I was like 18. The guy was like 25. Damn. He he wasn't supposed to be on the school premises, you know. You showed his ass, huh? Yeah, we was playing basketball. And he was, you know, he was Jamaican. And this man was kicking me. I ain't never been in no fight where a guy will faint at me and kick me. <laughs> and I, I, all my friends looking, they looking like, look, Hank, give us the nod or we going to get him. I'm like, no, no, listen, uh-uh, I'm going to get him. I threw a punch out to the side. And he looked, and I hit him with a straight left hand, and he went out cold. Man, I ran to the football field and called. You know, ever since that, I've been in the gym, man. <laughs> damn, you're damn near in USC instead of Boston. <laughs> man, <Kicking> right, <laughs> right. <laughs> but, yeah, like Andre said, we have an undefeated fighter. So what's but there's still adversity with that. Like, do you feel that pressure uh, of going out there and, and maintaining that zero? Yo, we just saw I mean, one of the f- most famous undefeated fighters just, you know, defend yeah, the zero. I, mean, I feel like um, every fight is uh, anybody across the ring that got a, a, a chance, a punch a chance. Uh, so, I mean, it's always pressure. You got to get in there and perform. You can't get in there and you, uh, a wing going to come automatic. You got to get in there and perform. But uh, I know I'm an up-and-coming fighter. You know, I've been boxing since I was eight years old. And I think um, just the love for the sport uh, drives me. Um, like, I think it was two weekends ago when I fought on the Kirkland undercard, uh, the crowd, oh, it's, I mean, it's, it's exciting. Like, that's the biggest crowd I've been a part of. Um, I mean, of course, I fought when nobody was there. But, <laughs> but still, like uh, – Yo, the seats. The seats yeah, were nice, though. Yeah, just being there to be a part of the event, like the whole um, getting to be there a couple of days before and go with the the training they do before the media. It's, it's exciting uh, and it drives you because that's where you want to be. That's where that's the ultimate goal to get to that level, make that money and get them belts. Uh, so, you know, every day you're in the gym, you think about them things, and that will drive you to, to work harder. And uh, and being a part of camp, uh, being, being a part of this camp, uh, you know, it's, it's another it's another way to. Uh, get more experience and uh, be a part of a great team like the Porters. On on this show, we've talked about how hip-hop and boxing are kind of just so similar and how they've gone through some of the same things. And there was that whole movement where people said hip-hop was dead and people said boxing was dead. Right, right, right. And, you know, now it seems like there's young people in boxing, there's young people in hip-hop that are kind of bringing it back, is bringing back that feel. What do you see being in the sport that's different than even what it was 10 years ago or or you guys do different than some of the other people because people feel it they feel that there's a difference in boxing they're excited again actually you know you know what's funny about that we was just talking about that in the gym earlier today we were talking <laughs> about how boxing have changed over time from from you know, 15 rounds to 12 rounds to to actual to actual fights when mike tyson oh he i think he made a comment over the past the floyd pacquiao fight he said they are businessmen and i i, I was an animal he said i was and a killer yeah he said i was, he a, said killer. I was a killer and, and they businessmen uh he's i fought everybody who came to the table uh it wasn't no negotiations or really anything like that so i mean boxing had definitely changed i mean 
our sports have changed over time. <laughs> right, right. What are y'all thoughts on this? I was talking to some MMA guys the other day, and they, they've always said the biggest problem with boxing is they hang, people hang on their undefeated records so tough. And it's not really about exciting fights. It's like, oh, if you're not undefeated, you're nobody in boxing. Do you think that mentality is kind of changing where cats are now accepting, like, if you're just a good fighter and have exciting fights, that's what it's all about? Well, you know, I can speak for myself. I'm kind of in that same boat, you know. Everybody know when Hammer and Hank's in a fight, you know, you're going to get a fight and you're going to get your money's worth, you know. Ain't, mm -hmm. i never been in a dog fight, you know. I'm entertaining. And, you know, guys like us, we, we give, we, we, you know, giving boxing a name and bringing it back, you know. But one thing about me, I'm just ain't a guy that's, a, that's trying to go out there and lose. I'm trying to win. It just, you know, if I had the big power behind me, I'd be world champ right now. But like I said, you know, everything happened for a reason. You know what I mean? This was my destiny and this is the way it's supposed to be. I mean, when it, when it comes down to that, I mean, I feel that there's just distinction in it and all, and, and all the way around. I mean, you have some fighters that are like Hank. You know what I mean? Then you have some fighters that are, you know, favor more like Floyd. You know, some fighters are there to win. Some fighters are there to entertain. And some are there to do both. It all, it all, it all depends on, you know, the, you know, what's their priority. You know what I mean? And ultimately, at the end of the day, you can't hate it. It's about winning. You got to win. And the objection of boxing is hitting and don't get hit. You know what I'm saying? You got to find a way to do that and still make it entertaining. That's why God has blessed me with a second chance, so I can do that. What up? What up? Before we get you guys out of here, the last question is, uh, you know, you guys being up and coming fighters and, you know, just being so in love with the sport. Like you guys are here. Like you guys are in love with the sport. Like I can see it. You <laughs> yeah. know, like you guys wake up and this is what you want to do. Who inspired you guys to fight? Like if you have to go back and you watch other boxers or something coming up, who inspires you? Felix Steep. I was uh, I had moved I had moved down to, um my mom sent me with my grandma down to Puerto Rico. I was not boxing and my younger cousin, who's a professional boxer now, Jonathan Gonzalez, um he he was boxing. So you know, I went to one of his fights and I got excited. I'm like, man, I could do this, I wanna fight, you know. My uncle took him to the gym and boom, I just I just stuck with it, man, and then I remember, you know, before before all that, you know, Tito, you know, coming up, I was living in Puerto Rico watching Tito fight, and it was just, you can't explain it, man, how Puerto Rico would get when Tito fight and Tito win, and everybody, come, oh, man, it was, and then um, it was just about that, man. Then, you know, then you, it, it excels. You start fighting for trophies. Then you start fighting for, like, little national titles. Then you want, then you want to start getting, you know, part of the USA team, and now you want to start getting paid, and... And just it just keeps excelling, you know what I mean? And I'm just very fortunate for boxing because it gave it gave me direction in my life. I, like I said, I, I was it was just me and my mom, and and um, I really didn't have too much guidance. I was a knucklehead too, so I really didn't listen too much. Um, but boxing gave me guidance. It gave me a direction. It gave me something to do. Go to the gym because I want to win. Because I want to do this. And 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 it taught me a lot of the characteristic traits that you know that help you in other fields, like you know like you know commitment, dedication. And all the other stuff. So I'm just very thankful overall for boxing that, that that I was able to be a part of this. And I'm just so thankful for everybody else who's doing it, you know, like Hank and everybody else. I, I told this other kid the other day, you know, when Zab walked by, I shot him out. I said, hey, hey, what's up? And the guy was like, oh, I don't know him. And I'm like, yeah, but you got to say thank to him. He was like, for what? He ain't do nothing for me. I'm like, bro, he's keeping boxing alive, bro. Word. You got to give respect to those who were doing it before us because if it's not them, then there won't be no 
no no boxing. You know what I mean? So that's just that on me. You know, going in the house, you know, at the football practice, I was a big Sugar Shane fan. Sugar yeah. Shane was my guy, <laughs> 135. He was a monster. Then, of course, it came in Muhammad Ali. I started learning more than when it was Roy Jones. And then you can't forget about, you know, Roy, I mean, um, Roy, I said Roy, Bernard. And then you have um, the great, the great Joe Frazier. <laughs> um, Yo, Frazier didn't make my top five list. People still killing me to this day. Yes, all day, every day. Killing me. Um, I have to say, I feel like boxing has found me. Um, I got into boxing with my older brother. He just took me to the gym, and uh, you know, I just started doing it. And um, and as I got younger age, I was mine was everywhere. I wasn't really into boxing. But as I got more into it seriously, uh, you know, I really started looking up to Sugar Ray Leonard. I watch uh, his Olympic films uh, and all his pro careers. I mean, fights. And uh, man, he's just so amazing. Uh, everything he did, like from especially when he fought the, the No Moss fight. Oh, like, man, both of them, very entertaining fights. And, uh, you know, I just always looked up to him. I still look up to him to today. Uh, he's one of my favorite fighters of all time. And, uh, you know, so that's my story uh, about no, that's, the boxing. Yo, that's great. That's great. And, you know, having you guys here and here to talk to us and just letting us know that different perspective and seeing you guys on your grind and, and going forward, it's, it's, it's amazing, man. So thank you guys for stopping by and no talking no with problem. us. Appreciate the love. All right, all right. Thanks for our guests coming through. Thank you guys for listening to The Corner every week. Remember, Twitter, it's The Corner LSN. On Instagram, the same thing, The Corner LSN. Hit us up with your questions in the mailbag. Yeah, we haven't it's, done that in a couple weeks. Nah, we got we to get back to that. So it's Gmail. Um, it's thecornerpod at gmail.com. Thecornerpod at gmail.com. My Twitter is at Kel Dansby. Mine is at Andreas Hill. And I want to apologize to everybody who's gotten used to Kel trolling and us arguing on the show. I'm not even trolling. I, whatever. I, that, everybody thinks you're trolling. But I, And I tell him, like, yo, Kel's really serious. Like, these arguments that we have are for real, for real. Because I serious. look at his face and he really means the shit he says. They but can come on the show. This was, like, the friendliest show ever that we've had. And we've agreed on a lot of stuff. I think you try to be... You know, you try to take Drake's side, whatever. You recognize my greatness. That's what happened. No, you I'm recognize just not, my greatness. Look, thank you. I, I blessed the podcast this week with real knowledge, and you had to respect that. I mean, you were right. I agree with you on something for once. You didn't say something stupid. Rocky Marciano, Frankie Edgar, like the Kendrick, like your slander has become epic. It is not. It's some real shit. People will recognize it. I'm not respected in my time. Do you, you know how great be. that is? I'm not recognizing my time. Well, let's not start an argument right now. I'm like Kanye, 808s and heartbreak. You ain't going to get me for 25 years. Oh, I'm Jesus that great. Christ. All right. With that being said, we <laughs> thank you all for coming. Next week we'll be back to talk some more shit. We'll have some fallout. Well, we're going to get to y'all mailbag. We, we haven't done that in a couple weeks, and I got to answer some more questions. The last time we just got into it about fucking old school versus new school. So I don't know what y'all going to have to ask. Please ask your questions. Follow me at Andreas Hale. Follow Kel Dansby's crazy ass. And uh, we'll be back next week. All right. We're out. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.